Welcome everyone to In the Weeds. As you can see, Joel Pearl's not here. And that's the greatest gift I could give anybody on Friday, May the 5th. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That is a man you know if you watch this channel on Tuesdays at 8.30 a.m. If you watch this channel just on and off, doing tier rankings, doing television talk. If you watch anything in the wrestling space, because he's on a hundred different shows, doing a hundred different things, he is SB3. Thank you for joining me today, SB3. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I love the the, the intro you gave me. I'm not on a hundred uh, different shows. You know, Russell Talk discriminated against me because I'm American. But, uh, but... <laughs> I <What>? want... <laughs> I want a lot of shows overall on True Hill Heat, but I am happy to be here on a wrestling channel talking about wrestling. It's very rare that that happens for me. This is my channel where I talk about anything but wrestling. I talk about basketball. I talk about trash reality. Talk about One Tree Hill. Check out the tier ranking. Loved it. Love the comments. I was just reading that before we went live. And I'm happy to be here on In The Weeds filling in for Joel Pearl. The nicest Canadian in wrestling media. It's it's a good time. It's a good time. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me. How is Joel Pearl the nicest Canadian? Every Canadian is nice. Joel Pearl's the worst of all of these Canadians. Well, he's like, hey, guy, uh, my, my name's Joel Pearl, and I, I, I watched Harrison Phillip. <laughs> he, he always pops me. He's got the Canadian. Sorry. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sorry about these things. Sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I don't get how they speak. Why do they speak like that? SP3, trash can heads. Get out of here. We're happy that Joe Pearl is not here today. He's away on business, having drinks with like Bret Hart or something, which should actually be a tremendous, you know, much better than hanging out with me for two hours. Much it's better. It's going to the Stampede or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Maybe. Sullivan, our pal, says, yes, this is such an upgrade for Jeremy. It is. That's why I asked SP3 because I'm like, oh, I know SB3 is much better at this than Joel Pearl. I would have asked him originally to do this show, but I didn't want to take away from all the other shows that he has going on in his life. You know, he's already on this channel enough as it is. Uh, be- before before I started in the weeds, like this was more your channel than it was mine. It felt like a lot of weeks. <laughs> You're on all the time. No, no, because we, we, we had to slow down on Degrassi dudes because uh, Jensen has a real job. So we only do that once a month. The, the tier list, I have to find the right person to do with all the teen teen drama trash that I've watched in my lifetime. So, you know, did did uh, One Tree Hill with Cher. That was amazing. She carried me for nearly two hours of that tier list. Got carried by Maggie for the OC tier list. And and I usually get carried by you on on FMC, except for the first thirteen minutes where I do my my preaching and <laughs> sermons and stuff. But no, I'm I'm happy to be here, and I'm I'm always trying to you know backdoor my way into Fightful. I've I've told you this before off camera. I'll tell you on camera. Trying to get the trying to get that Jimmy Van money soon. You know that's my goal for for 2023 is to get a Fightful job. But Sean doesn't check his emails, and I've emailed him a couple of times. He doesn't check his emails. He doesn't check his DMs. He doesn't check the chat at all. I deed him to release like five different times when we were like in the same city at one point. I even DM'd him, say, hey, what's going on? I DM'd him. He said, looking for somebody for the AEW collision. So I'm just going to say it on air. So he probably more likely to see this than any of my DMs or emails. 
He usually runs in on the show. He's eating eggs all the time. Once Thurston shows up, he'll probably come on and you know annoy Brandon Thurston. Um, yeah, he doesn't check anything, man. He staff chat. You know, you would think your staff has questions about things. We're we're trying to do the news around here, and we're putting stuff in the chat. I'm asking questions there. I'm writing articles in the chat. And then Sean, like an hour, two hours, one time it was like 24 hours later. He's like, hey, did we get this article? Like, Sean, I literally wrote this article 24 hours ago. Not only is it in the chat, it's on the website. I guess you don't visit. The worst, the 24 hours one is actually not as bad as the ones where I'll post it in the chat doing this article. And then like an hour will go by, but it's still the last thing posted in the chat. And then he'll be like, did you do this article? Like, it's literally the message that you need to read before you type that this article is done, Sean. What are what are we doing here? The Bellas are spilling tea. The Bellas are spilling tea. Sean Rossap. Just... SP3, are you coming for the back door? Do you, do you come in the back door? <laughs> <laughs> that type of information, I won't uh, make pivy here on the air. My missus may watch this back and be like, what are you saying? What is going on here? But that is a great, great reference. I, I should have thought more about saying I was coming through the fightful back door than before I said it. You know, I get myself in trouble all the time on FMC with the comments I make. And I'm always very worried that the wife is just going to be like, too much, too, too much. The, 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 the missus, uh, my wifey only watches FMC now. Out of all the content God that bless I do on, on Trio Heat, uh, all of these other places, she says that she likes watching me just make a fool out of myself for a good 10 minutes in the opening. And she says she's going to dress like a preacher's wife. She's going to get, uh, you know, the whole the whole nice dress and stuff. Going to dress like Whitney Houston in the, the preacher's wife. That's basically what she wants to do. My wife wanted to, you were, you were doing joyful, joyful. And she knows how to play that song on the piano. She was going to just like come sit to the side here, just like play it on the piano as you were, you were singing. So, and we've got to do this collaborative effort at some point. Wasn't a great night for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers though. SP3. Well, all I will say is like I said on, on FMC, I'll say it here. I see people in the chat mentioning it. I did not say Lakers in four. <laughs> Golden State Warriors, Ultimate Warrior, Warrior Wrestling, uh, the Warriors come out and play, Lakers in five. Uh, we're going to be joined here in about five minutes uh, by the great Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. We're going to be talking about the WWE financials as those dropped on Wednesday. They had their big quarterly conference call. They announced as they usually do just major revenue, nearly $300 million when it came to how much they made in the first quarter. Uh, they talked a little bit about the sale, the upcoming merger that'll happen. It was $297.6 million in revenue. Operating income was $53.1 million. Uh, North American live event ticket sales were up 52% over the prior year, 37% increase in average attendance. As usual with WWE, huge numbers when it came to their first quarter. What are your general thoughts on how how they performed in the per performed not performed performed in the first quarter of 2023? 
Well, WWE has been thriving even before uh, they they came back to like live events. Like they were making record profits because they were losing a lot of money on like uh, live events prior to the pandemic, and they were making record profits during the whole pandemic. And then you know the live event has just been going from you know strength to strength to strength, and they reached like kind of like in the summer last year they were really kind of picking it up and really kind of thriving in a big way. So I'm not surprised to hear about these first quarter numbers when you consider the fact that you know the 2023 Royal Rumble that was kind of their they talked about it and touted it it was you know their biggest live gate for the event all this other you know record stuff and it seems like we've been hearing that ever since SummerSlam of last year is that this event was the highest grossing most watched in the event's history this event and this event and this event and then you know the success of WrestleMania that that they talked about which I, I'm not sure I think that's just outside is that in the second quarter, really? Is that considered second quarter WrestleMania, or is that considered? They the- had they had highlights from WrestleMania as part of the first quarter highlights. Okay, so I'm assuming it was part of the first quarter. But yeah, I, I understand because it was April first and second, and first quarter would have been you know three months out of the year, not four months so i, I get guess why they give them an extra few few days so but yeah i mean they they already had all the tickets sold but before april 1st april 2nd so either way man I'm, I'm not surprised by any of this but it really shows you that you know wwe is just hitting those big highs as far as the business the business is better than it ever has regardless of who's in control of creative yeah, they, I know Sean posts every time of, oh, this was the highest gate, highest attendance in this market for this building, for a WWE live event, for WWE Raw, for WWE SmackDown, like whatever it might be. And you know, he literally posts that, I feel like, weekly at this point. Like They are doing great business to, to start the year and really dating back to sort of when Triple H took over and, and going into 2023. And I think there are a number of factors on that, whether it be, you know, Triple H's booking, whether it be Cody Rose, whether it be the, the bloodline storyline, there's just be sometimes things are just hot. And even if they're not our cup of tea, it's still a hot cup of tea, right? We might not like it, but it's still a hot cup of tea. Uh, we are joined right now by the great Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. He covers the WWE, AEW, just wrestling in general when it comes to financials and markets and things of that nature better than anyone out there. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics. How you doing, man? I'm good. And an expert in things of that nature is yeah. absolutely accurate. <laughs> Need to add sure. that to the bio. Right. <laughs> expert in things of that nature. <laughs> Brandon, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, just quick, you know, general thoughts on when WWE released their their financials on Wednesday. What were your first impressions of all the numbers? Well, they're they continue to be profitable. They were a little bit more profitable than I thought they would be. A large part of that is because they're licensing out their merchandise through Fanatics. Um, but the, the big takeaways are this is a company that's doing in terms of fan interest consumer interest very well, which is not something that you could often say over the last seven years or so. Um, TV ratings are up in an environment where TV ratings for most TV shows are down. Um, and not just that, but but TV uh, uh, attendance is up too. Um, some of the comparisons 
for years prior are with more house shows and they are running fewer house shows. So their average attendance is helped by more of that portion of, of events that they're running being TV events. Um, but it's a, it's a company that's doing well with, with fan interest. And I thought there was an, an interesting exchange on the earnings call between uh, an analyst and, and Paul Levesque, where the analyst was asking him to please explain what, what, what's been happening uh, differently. You know, what's different about the product that you're doing? And uh, he just sort of had to praise everyone and the world-class talent, the world-class writing team. And Kevin Dunn's team is great. And uh, he did mention the Sami Zayn and Bloodline storyline, which I think is something that's that's been a major part of it. Um, but long-term storytelling was, was mentioned. This is a new discovery, I think, for wrestling companies in general. Long-term storytelling uh, hasn't been something that has been often seen in wrestling. And now we're, we're finally uh, discovering this thing that's actually helping business. Do you think WWE actually has long-term storytelling outside of the the bloodline? I think I suspect that they that Paul Levesque has plans that he would like to execute, and I think it's more in question now whether those long-term intentions will be executed with Vince apparently making changes. When I'll oh, go ahead. I wanted to ask, uh, you know, what have what do you thought about like the big difference in the live event attendance? Because that was something that I remember, like pre-pandemic, it was kind of an issue with them where they were losing money on the live right. events, and now it's become such a money getter where we keep hearing about all these sellouts for house shows. What do you thought has been like the the biggest difference in that regard? They're running fewer house shows, so that helps. Um, but they're the, the average ticket price is way up. I think something like $75 for Q1. Um, but running fewer house shows that are probably losing money um, helps. And selling more tickets helps. So uh, that, I think that's a large part of what's happening. In Q1, which is the period from January 1st to March 31st, that includes the Royal Rumble, which was an over $7 million gate. So I'm sure that was a very profitable event for their live events division. So that goes into the math. That could be offsetting some events that are losing money. I don't know, um, but they're doing pretty well. And you know, in the in the pre-COVID era, they were running more shows, particularly in smaller markets where the attendances tend to be low. And we don't get all that bro broken out. I know people think that, and because it's a publicly traded company, we get every detail of information out. We get very select stats that obscure the details. So, but those smaller market house shows i would think with lower attendances were just not as profitable and they're running fewer of them since the return to touring and uh ticket prices are up a bit and um attendance is up so so for clarity because sp3 and i had this question before you came on they tout like the wrestlemania success in the press release but the wrestlemania numbers do those fully count on on this uh on this quarter So I, Brandon has muted his mic and he's gone away as people can see. He did warn me that something might come up during this. And of course it had to happen during, <laughs> when this all came up. So tremendous, tremendous timing. Brandon will be joining us. Uh, he'll come back here in a second and we'll, we'll get a response to that. I'll re-ask the question, but it is funny. He's like, it could happen literally between these hours uh, that, that you want me on. He's like, we'll just go early and hope that it happens later. And of course, within three minutes of the interview, it happens <laughs> then. So as, as things go on, on this show. Um, you know, yeah, I, I did want clarity on the, the WrestleMania you know, thing because we both had yeah. that question. Brandon said it ran to March 31st. I suspect it will be kind of what you said, SB3. is like they'd already sold those tickets 
and everything. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I so, told you it was going to happen. I know. I mentioned that. I mentioned that uh, when you were away. Um, so what I was saying is you mentioned, so it runs from January 1st to March 31st. They touted the WrestleMania success in the, the press release and everything, but did those numbers not count first quarter? Or is it because they've already sold tickets? They do count. How is WrestleMania attributed when it comes to the first quarter part of this? So WrestleMania is in Q2. It's, that was April 1st and 2nd. But um, the event has happened, and a lot of what these earnings calls are about is hype. And it's it's they want to tell that, that story, and that, and that was a big business success, as it always is. WrestleMania always is. So they're not going to wait to hype the success of WrestleMania until three months later when they can report it in their financials. Um, so th that's really all it is. But, but yeah, they, they told you... Um, I think they they mentioned the gate, which was twenty one point six million dollars. They mentioned the viewership being up by a certain percentage. I think more than fifty percent versus last year. We don't really know how many viewers that means. There was a slide that I discovered uh, as part of a presentation to Orange County in Orlando um, that does have some numbers that seem to be, I would guess, U.S. over a million over the age of eighteen because these are like advertised advertiser directed numbers, but um. That, that would be, I guess, in the, in the range of like 1.5 million people or something like that. We, we know um, Royal Rumble had about 2 million, so I'm sure WrestleMania was way ahead of, of Royal Rumble. But point is, we, we get vague numbers uh, about how many people are actually watching these events on Peacock, but people are watching them more, mainly, I would think, because more people have Peacock in their homes this year versus last year. I was going to ask about Peacock and how that helps in terms of WWE visibility, because if you just see it on Peacock, does that draw people into the live events? I don't know if there's a way to attribute of how many basically Peacock people are watching and then they're turned into regular viewers or they're turned into just live event people. But how much do you think like the Peacock deal has helped WWE in terms of drawing in sort of new fans, whether it's to tune into Raw, SmackDown, or just attend a local live event? I think it's helped a lot. I think... I wasn't sure what the W network did for them in 2014 when it launched, but we did see a, a lot of different metrics, including attendance, um, including web search, which I think is all often correlated to actual consumer behavior. Um, we, we saw when, when the network launched, whatever reason you can think of for why having the network out there uh, led to a lot of downstream fan interest, maybe because people were reliving you know, the library or people were a huge audience was able to watch the pay-per-views without the $60 paywall in the way it was just a $10 paywall. So I think all those things being factors that led to increased ticket sales, increased merchandise sales from roughly 2014 to 2016. Um, and that it wasn't clear to me that, you know, maybe the W network was, it was attributable to that until Peacock happened. And now we're seeing what was a declining popularity in, in WWE's TV shows. Um, and then their other consumer metrics that that really leveled off around the time that WWE pay-per-views went on Peacock and that increased the audience of those pay-per-views even more than the network did. Of course, we know this, the typical pay-per-view pre-network was doing like 300,000 buys or something like that worldwide. And that was increased to as high as 2 million during the direct-to-consumer standalone network era. And now we've got Peacock and not everybody who has Peacock is watching WWE, obviously. Uh, but there's 20 million, something like 22 million, I, I think now, according to Comcast, to subscribers to Peacock who have access to it in their homes. And I'm sure it's a, a relative minority that are watching WPLEs on Peacock, but it's 
it's a far greater access than people who subscribe to the network have, which again, topped out at 2 million globally, and I think like 1.2 million uh, US. Vince McMahon wasn't on the the conference call. I don't know. They they used to say like, this person's going to be on it, this person's going to be on it, and they kind of stopped doing that. Do you think, one, were you surprised? And two, like, do you think maybe he, given all that's happening, should have been there? Or was it smart to just, no, let's not have Vince there. Let's have um, Nick and Paul handle these questions. Have, have you listened to the earnings calls when Vince has been on in the past? Yeah, it's it's tremendous. I got to listen much, to all of How much of does them. he say? Because he doesn't, does he say? <laughs> he doesn't say much. And when he does, he either misspeaks or it gives me a great headline to write. I'll say that, especially when he's like, we're going to give AEW our talent. This is part of our plan. Um, right. Yeah, he, he doesn't say much when, when he is on there. But I imagine the, the uh, stockholders and investors have some questions for him. I mean, I, I, I think Vince hates doing them. That that was my impression. I think any anything where he has to speak publicly is not something he's been interested in doing, apparently, in the last 15 years or so. He's done very few sit-down interviews, that, that Pat McAfee interview being an exception. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's back as the executive chairman. But the investor community looks at Nick Khan as, as the person who they want to hear from, especially. And I think it's just a, it's the sense that, you know, Vince was the person who founded this company and he... Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's forced his way back into the company. We're not going to ask too many questions about why or you know, whether that's okay or how comfortable the employees and the talent are with, with him forcing his way back into the company. Certainly not the analysts are going to ask that question. But um, should they hear from him? I, I don't know that Vince has a lot to say about strategy and about media strategy over and above what Nick has to say, which is a lot more. Um, so I think there's a lot of questions that Vince McMahon should be asked. Um, him appearing on an, on an earnings call, he's not going to be asked those questions. I, I don't expect. And uh, in terms of business, Nick is the one you want to hear from, and Frank Riddick, who's the CFO, is the one you want to hear all the dry and boring financial numbers from. And and Paul Levesque has been participating in these, which is a relatively new occurrence. Uh, Paul Levesque, the head of creative, sort of mostly, uh, is is also appearing on these. I wanted to ask, how is the Endeavor sale going to kind of affect like future? our earnings call because i know like the deal isn't done till later this year how is that gonna affect what wwe makes is it do you kind of project that it's gonna increase their their finance or how is i don't know how that kind of correlates with the earnings call so the WWE for for fans of the w earnings reports for the the many visitors out there of corporate.wwe.com who click on the investor overview like I do and, and look through the KPIs and the trending schedules and the 10Ks and the 10Qs, um, it's going to be very different once the merger is complete. This will not be a WWE stock anymore. This will be a TKO stock. And they haven't announced what that merged UFC and WWE company name is going to be, but it's going to be called something else. We're going to be talking about some other company name that we don't even know yet. Um, maybe it'll be an acronym for TKO. I don't know. Um, so all of the the relatively limited clarity that we get into W's business now is about to become much more obscure. Um, I don't expect that TKO is going to say, okay, here's what WWE did for, for live event attendance. Here's what WWE did for, for media. And here's the UFC numbers. They, I, I don't think that the, F, the SEC is going to, I don't think there's any SEC rules that are going to force them to do that. All that stuff's going to be thrown in one bucket. 
And that's, 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 you, I'll have to guess and I'll have to, you know, make some estimates or something. Um, so it's going to change a lot from my perspective reporting on this. I think it's just going to be a lot harder to figure out what's, what's the WE part and what's the UFC part. Um, and in terms of their finances, I mean, one of the major reasons that they're doing this is because UFC and WE working as one company should, should allow for a lot of cost savings. And the biggest part of that is going to be layoffs. I think there's going to be pretty massive layoffs, unfortunately, to W employees uh, upon this merger being completed. And that's where they project they're going to save 50 to $100 million um, in, in annual savings once they mostly lay people off. I'm sure there's some other uh, overlapping expenses that they won't have to uh, pay for alone anymore. Um, but it's going to be a lot of, a lot of uh, workers being laid off, mostly corporate. I don't expect, um, I know the, the, the uh, wrestling fans are probably dreading and, and uh, you know, being, being alarmed about the notion of talent layoffs because those are the people that they know. Um, but I don't see any reason. I mean, I, I know there's reports of a, of a hiring freeze or something that's maybe like a, a, an informal hiring freeze. And that may, may be the case in terms of keeping spending really conservative as you head into this merger. Um, but in terms of layoffs, it's I don't expect necessarily any talent layoffs because it's, it's not like a merger. It's not like you're going to share that much talent between WWE and UFC. Well, Nick Khan said, I believe it was a uh, light shed. He did the big, big interview yes. with them where you know they call it cost synergies. And he's basically their their nice term for we're just going to lay off a bunch of people. And he said like they didn't want to mess with the talent production side because they were happy w- with all of that. And like you said, does, does that mean talent's not going to get cut? But they're not hiring anybody new. We we shall see. You know, we've got contract situations where drew mcintyre is in or out right now becky lich's contract is up next year do you think some of these talents are just going to wait until this merger goes through and it's like okay let's see how it plays out do you think the wwe is waiting until all of that goes through like let's see how much we can pay you when it comes to this because drew and becky two big stars who carried them through some some tough times yeah i mean i don't have a strong sense i don't i don't see why they would let valuable talent go um on, on, on one hand, you don't need a lot of uh, marquee talent, it seems, to make this company work because so much of the, of the money is guaranteed. Um, will WB be okay without Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre? Yeah. Um, there'll be a loss. Will they will be, be okay without Becky Lynch? Yeah, but it'll be a loss. And then the question is, where do they go? What, you know, do they wrestle somewhere else? Do they wrestle for AEW? But um, I think if you're talent, WB's probably going to get an upgrade in TV rights fees. It's not, it's certainly not anywhere near done at the moment, but that that's really the biggest event in wrestling. It's not WrestleMania, but it's, but it's happening right now. Nobody can see it except for the executives who are involved um, in terms of the future of the business financially. Um, it's WWE talking to NBC Universal and Fox right now about Raw and SmackDown. And those windows are, have probably just ended. And they're talking to whoever else they may be talking to, Amazon, maybe SmackDown going back to NBCU. Um, so they're probably going to get a decent upgrade in TV rights fees, which is an enormous part of the revenue. Um, and it'll it'll be contracts like the current contracts where they make a little bit more over time. Each year, they get maybe something like a 5 or 10% increase. So my point is, if you're talent, you're the one who are helping them make these tremendous TV rights fees. Yeah, the executives are, are helping make it happen too, and the employees are all part of it too. But um, 
know what they're buying? They're buying a wrestling product with a ring in it, with talent in that ring. And the talent are the ones who, without all the talent, you don't have a show. So if you're a major talent, I mean, I, th I think there's an argument that you should be paid <laughs> commensurate with the, these increases in uh, TV rights fees. So WWE can certainly afford it. And I, I don't see why you would stop investing in talent just because there's a merger happening. And uh, it's, it's, this merger is only going to be financially beneficial to you. So, you know, there's a... Uh, there's, there's an argument because of the, um, the increase in TV rights fees that you're likely to get. And uh, you know, having other players in wrestling who want talent, including AEW, New Japan, and maybe others, uh, that, are, that are really the, the thing that's going to cause urgency when it comes to talent competition. Because, you know, those are the, the other players that are really going to leverage WWE to make a better deal with the talent than they would otherwise. I wanted to ask about the whole because uh, you know a few months back we heard kind of like the rumors about Fox with the TV rights and you know uh, there was kind of like uh, various kind of rumors or reports that maybe like Fox thought that they overpaid originally for WWE uh, SmackDown but with the ratings being up like you said so significantly do you think that that kind of mindset or rumors are changing now? I mean. Fox is still winning Friday most most nights. There's not something like the NBA playoffs happening. Fox is winning in the demo uh, with SmackDown on Friday nights. Um, did did Smack did Fox have the the idea in their heads going into this deal in 2019 that that SmackDown would be doing better ratings than it ended up doing? Maybe, um, but but they're doing quite well. Not in total viewership necessarily, but that's that's not what is as important, I believe, to Fox because Fox is a broadcast network as opposed to a cable network. Fox doesn't get as much of its revenue from cable subscribers. They do get some still, because most people are still watching Fox through their cable or satellite system. But more of their revenue, a great proportion of their revenue comes from ad sales. So that's why I think P1849 is especially important. So in P1849, they're, they're, they're beating Shark Tank, which is the other big show on Friday nights on ABC. Um, and no, don't worry, Blue Bloods is still winning in the total <laughs> audience uh, in P2+. Plus. So if you're watching Blue Bloods, I know my uncle works on the set in Blue Bloods or something. Anyway, I, I was an extra on Blue Bloods. Were you? Oh, I wow. was. I was. It, it must be you that's drawing the ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, so yeah, they're doing really well in the demo, and uh, and and they're up year over year in a way that is W popularity, W fan interest is up in a, in a genuine way that is totally different than at any time since I've been covering this in the last seven or eight years or something like that. So. Um, the question is, does Fox want to, how does Fox want to, you know, execute their, their strategy on, on Friday nights? Do they want to put something else in there? Well, if they want to put something else on Friday nights from 8 to 10, it's going to cost them. It, it might cost them more than what SmackDown is costing them. And will it deliver the, a similar rating and be as cost effective as SmackDown is? That's the big question. And and the other question is, well, what's WWE gonna, going to, to get in the alternative if they don't stay with Fox? Um, Fox is really valuable for, for, for WWE because they get to be on a broadcast network with enormous reach. As much as streaming is taking over people's uh, TV watching behavior, um, it's a huge penetration in, in, into people's homes, um, which is greater than any streaming uh, service. Netflix is basically at the top with like something like 60 million, 65 million homes, um, but, but cable Cable channels are still in 70 some odd million homes and Fox is in something above that because we can stack on top people using uh, OTA antennas. So 
being on being having that reach, being able to reach that many people is is a non-monetary value to WWE. So in the alternative, say they go to Amazon Prime, um, Amazon Prime cannot offer them the same kind of reach. Now, yes, Amazon Prime is is in like 80 million homes, but do people use Amazon Prime as often as as they rely on the the Prime shipping discount or something like that? That that's that's the difference. So Amazon, if they got SmackDown, would have to pay a lot more than whatever Fox might offer them in terms of money, because Fox is giving you not only money, but it's giving you a tremendous reach in the value of being able to get into people's homes and to get into a space, a channel where people are, are flipping past and people will easily discover you and easily, there's very little friction in, oh, Fox is on watching SmackDown, as opposed to like, I got to pick up the, the remote and, and, and go into the, the app or whatever and, and find Amazon Prime, as people may have done when they watched uh, Thursday Night Football. What's your temperature on where WWE does land when it comes to the media rights? I mean, you mentioned a couple of streaming services. Seems like they got a good relationship with with Fox and NBCU with uh, Raw being on USA. There was the report that Warner Brothers Discovery might be interested, but then that was kind of quickly shot down when we learned that, hey, Warner Brothers Discovery is about to add some more AEW programming. Why are they going to go after WWE? Like, what's your temperature on what WWE might be thinking and what other networks and platforms might be thinking? Yeah, I don't buy that WBD is going to be a, a real player here. And I think Sean's report just after that was floated by James Andrews or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Who's on a, on a Jimmy Trana podcast. But 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 Sean, you know, reporting and inciting sources within WBD who are telling them that's not really happening. I mean, th- those are, if, you know, people in WBD would be incentivized to say, oh, yeah, everybody's interested in us. So that tells me there's, that there's at least no smoke to that fire yet. Um I think there's reason for Fox to keep it. There's reason for NBC to, to want SmackDown back. Um, what, what, what is USA Network play on Tuesday nights? Probably Law and Order reruns. So there's space for it. Um, but I think it would, it would, that would raise the question: Why did why didn't NBCU buy it then? And maybe that's where where Vince Vince may have come into play. Um, yeah, I think I think they're in a good position to probably get a somewhere between fifty percent. 75%, maybe 80% increase in their TV rights fees, which is, which would be an increase above the $470 million that they're getting now. So I think they're going to do fairly well. Uh, Ryan Sullivan asked a question, says, as part of the, as part of the merger contract, is there any stipulation where major expenditures like talent acquisition has to be run by Endeavor people? Sorry, could you run that by me again? I had to yell at somebody. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Sullivan says, as part of the merger contract, is there any stipulation where major expenditures like talent acquisition has to be run by Endeavor people? So I guess what he's asking is, since the merger has we pretty have to much check been agreed before we hire talent. Yes, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> I don't get that. I, they, they've, they've said everything to the opposite of that, that don't worry, Endeavor's not going to, just like UFC, Endeavor's not going to interfere with our business. They're going to trust us to do what we do. And I believe that's incredible. Um, look at UFC. Does does Ari Emanuel interfere with and Endeavor people interfere with UFC? I'm I'm not a UFC expert. I'm not, I'm not a UFC reporter, um, but I don't. I'm not aware of that. I don't think that's happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if if maybe Vince and Dana or some people from WWE and Dana may have had some conversations ahead of this agreement to get some reassurance that do they really give you the freedom that you want? And they're they're clearly comfortable enough to do the agreement. 
does the the writer strike uh a shot kind of mentioned this i know the writer strike has no and nikon said as much on the, the media call the writer strike has no effect on wwe because no. it's it's not WWE part of all that doesn't do unions brother yeah. yes <laughs> but is does the writer strike help wwe in a sense that there's no writers for these television shows and right now so here's some live sports that you can negotiate and get like does that help WWE? we're 52 weeks strike? a year our, yeah. our writers aren't part of a union. Our talent aren't part of a union. Our employees aren't part of a union. There could be an apocalypse and we're still going to produce TV as they <laughs> proved for, for a year and a half during COVID. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that, that is that is something that a, a WB executive such as Nick Khan might bring to the table. He looks, you know, that's and, and that's one of the big differences be, between WB and any sport or really any scripted series. You know, sports, you know, the, the NBA will run from what, October through June. Uh, the NFL will run from September to January. WWE runs January to December, 52 weeks a year. It, they, they might do a best of show during Christmas, but that's, that's the most of it. Um, and there's, there's no stopping WWE content from being produced apparently. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a big argument in their favor. I wanted to ask because we've been hearing uh, more stuff about AEW like this week. I know uh, Andrew Zarian reported that Dark and Dark Elevation are no longer going to be shows. And in that report that he put out, he said that WBD wanted exclusive kind of ownership over AEW content. How is that going to affect their their new TV rights deal? And what type of increase do you suspect they're going to get? I don't know. It's really hard to make a prediction about what what AEW will will get in a, in a new deal. Um, I think on May 17th, which is a couple Wednesdays from now, w, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery will do their upfront, which is this big presentation that they give to advertisers saying, look at all our amazing content that we have coming out this fall. Uh, don't you want to buy advertising for it? Uh, and, and all the, the big media conglomerates do this. And I think on that day, this is just my prediction, on that day, we'll find out that AW Collision is coming to Saturday nights on probably TNT, I would guess. And AW All In in London will be live on Max, which is their rebranded HBO Max. Um, I mean, that's what I expect. And I think it, it, it raises the question at that point. This is this is now, if that's the case, if there's an, an AW Collision show every week on Saturday, then, then AW is providing two hours of Dynamite an hour of rampage and an additional hour. God, I hope it's only one hour of, of weekly content for WBD. So that's above their original agreement from January, 2020, which was for three hours. Now we're on to four hours. So that's got to mean more money for AEW. And is, is that uh, indicative of an extension of their current deal? That's a question for Tony Khan in media interactions. Um, if that happens. So, in, in terms of an increase, I don't know. And, and we'll, you know, AEW is obviously not a publicly traded company. So it'll be, I mean, even in WWE's case, we don't get their own disclosures about how much of an increase did they get. Usually we get reports from journalists, like from the Sports Business Journal or from Wall Street Journal who will say, oh, they got a such and such increase. Um, and, and Tony has, in fact, tweeted how much they're getting from WBD. So I don't know if he'll do similar in the future, but... Um, AW is way under monetized for the number of viewers that they deliver uh, relative to other sports properties, including WWE in terms of like the number of viewers to not get into the math, the number of viewers that they're delivering, let's say 
not, whether whether we're talking about the demo or PT Plus, whatever, the number of viewers that they're delivering is in in terms of the money that they're getting in exchange for that is way under what WWE gets, the NHL gets, and and so on. So, and it's not just a well, it's wrestling, and this is hockey, and this is the NBA, but it's but it's wrestling too. And maybe maybe part of WWE getting a better deal for the number of viewers that they deliver is part of WWE being this very recognizable, very established brand. So maybe there's, there's some argument there. Even that said, AEW is way under monetized for the number of viewers that they deliver. Ultimately, what's going to determine whether or not AEW can leverage a much better deal for themselves or only a little bit of a better deal for themselves will be, are there other bidders in the universe who want us? Because it's like selling your house or selling your car. If you've got multiple bidders who want your house, you can you can take the, the best offer. If you only got one bidder, but you might have to settle for something less than what you wanted. So that's sort of where they are. Brandon, last question, then we'll, then we'll get you out of here. Is there a future that at the end of the year with the merger and everything, Vince McMahon is not part of the company going into 2024? No. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, <laughs> so th things will change in terms of his control. Um, he will go from having 80% of the control. So right now, having the control, that's why he was able to come back. If he didn't have the voting power, he would have not been able to force his way back into the company this past January. That was the only reason he was able to do that. Um, after this merger, his special shares that give him enhanced voting power are going away. And he'll have 18% of the voting power. So when, when the board, when the investors come together to make some decision or to approve of the board of directors doing such and such, he'll have 18% of the votes, no more 80% of the votes. So, I mean, if, if more scandal emerges, could in, you know, Endeavor and TKO do something to force him out? I, I don't know. I think that then we're getting into maybe complicated corporate law and, and SEC bylaws that are over my head, but I don't see any reason to expect that they will. And Ari Emanuel sat next to him on CNBC and said, oh my God, we need him. So I don't see any reason why this, this man is going away anytime soon, as long as he's healthy. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Let everybody know where they can find you at. You can find me uh, on wrestlenomics.com uh, and on Twitter. You can get, get into the replies and say nasty things to each other uh, on Twitter uh, at Brandon. When you post the ratings, your your mentions on the WrestleNomics are just completely <laughs> hellfire. Oh, I, I check it because I like to just humor myself, but yeah, just complete hellfire. It should come with a mental health uh, warning before you, <laughs> before you can scroll any further. Um, Patreon, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, uh, where I report the TV ratings uh, every just about every day. Anytime there's a wrestling TV rating, I'm writing a report about it in, in tremendous depth. And there'll be a merchandise report this afternoon probably looking at this is sort of a new thing I'm doing. I'm looking at the uh, the merchandise shops online to try to get an idea of who are the talents and what are the items that are selling really well according to their top sellers lists. So that'll be coming out this afternoon, Friday. And um, WrestleMomics Radio is a podcast that, that you should listen to uh, every Sunday. We, we do it live on YouTube at 11 o'clock, and then it's on your podcast app wherever you listen to podcasts after that. There you go. Everybody follow, support Brandon, all the work he does at WrestleNomics. He covers things of that nature when it comes <laughs> to wrestling, expert in things of that nature. Brandon, thank you again for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for dealing with me. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs>
<laughs> Brandon says thanks for dealing with him. Like he's not again just an expert in all of this stuff. Like I was so excited to get to get Brandon on and, and talk about this because I'm very I know what I know and I know what I know through Brandon. So yeah, if, if I don't if he doesn't say it, I probably don't know anything about it. And obviously he knows a lot more than what what he just kind of puts out there and retains a lot more of that because then I'm listening to a hundred different interviews and don't retain all of it. So extremely knowledgeable when it comes to things of that nature uh, in, in the wrestling world. So everyone go to WrestleNomics.com, follow them on Twitter, follow WrestleNomics on Twitter, listen to their podcast, watch their podcast if you if you watch it live on Sundays. But big shout out to, to Brandon Thurston, who does great work and very important work in this wrestling space because everybody is so obsessed with ratings nowadays and they don't understand they don't understand any of it and brandon is definitely uh you know he is there to help people understand it better and whether or not they listen that's that's a different conversation and he he does it in such a non-biased way like he just puts the facts out there and you learn a lot and you know for us that do news writing you gain a lot from just a a tweet from brandon thurston that's why he's kind of become one of like the lead sources when it comes to anything business tv related when it comes to wrestling so his work is definitely appreciated by pretty much everyone in the in the wrestling media game and most wrestling fans who don't want to just use it for tribalism <laughs> right says i'm a little disappointed that this was an extensive conversation about WWE 10k filings when those filings hit like i'm subscribed to like their corporate stuff so i see those filings i don't understand like any of that stuff i wait for brandon's tweet of like please make yeah. sense of this for me and then i can write the article because i'm not writing this article just blindly of like here's what's definitely happening in the world like can you hurry up and tweet something about this brandon so i sound smarter than i actually am exactly like just just take a look at brandon's tweets and you you get a lot more education than just looking at the filings themselves you need you need brandon is like an interpreter and a translator for the business filings a lot of times a shock mentions it here under monetized is not a good sign when it came to AEW. i mean you look at the rights fees wwe is getting with a lot of this stuff and brandon said they could increase by by 50 and i mean we know as much as almost 80 yeah well, yes we know what they were five years ago when they signed these deals they were monumentous deals at the time it's like okay well now they're going to increase on top of that and then you look at aew and like people are going to dunk on aew ratings and stuff oh they can't get over eight hundred thousand anymore but the 18 to 49 demographic is still extremely good they're still in top five on most nights when it or most wednesdays when it comes to the 18 to 49 the only time they like fall out of that is you know big news stories things like that or nba nhl playoffs that's what's been beating them recently is the nba and nhl playoffs but their their demo numbers are always strong and yeah. it, it does seem like they can get more but i his biggest point to me there was like is there anybody else bidding for them because if you're warner brothers discovery okay they're bringing in good money and stuff but if that you have you're not bidding against anybody else why am i gonna pay more for this if i don't have to when it comes to that. So I thought his point about AEW kind of basically being under monetized was uh, something you know, people should really pay attention to. 
Yeah, that's why I went to the axe about the AEW because of that report from Andrew Zarian earlier in the week saying that, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery wanted exclusive ownership over the AEW television, you know, content. Anything AEW related needed to be on WBD. I wanted to know, like, is that going to increase what they're what they're going to make? Because it was significantly less than what WWE was making. I remember it being like the original deal was maybe like what 20 30 30 million for a year and then an increase you know after their the great performance of their first year and a half and you know when they when they got AEW Rampage now you're adding on you know Brandon said he hopes that it's one more hour but every report that we've seen is it's going to be 8 to 10 it's going to be two more hours of live content you got to think that they're going to be wanting more. I don't I wouldn't say it's such a good I wouldn't say it's not a good sign that they're under monetized. I think that it's something that needs uh, addressing on their new TV rights deal more than it being a good or bad sign. It's something that they need to address and realize that they've been under monetized with their two previous television rights deals and especially getting two more hours, bringing back, you know, someone like CM Punk that is going to call maybe issues behind the scenes there's a lot of uh costs whether it be financially and just emotionally wise that ww that uh aew is undertaking with this new show so i think that they have to kind of address the fact that they are under monetized with the amount of content that they're providing for warner brothers discovery the other point brandon made of what he expects on the upfronts here in a couple of weeks is that all in we don't know how that's streaming right now it was not you know in the press release it was not a bleacher report thing it was not a pay-per-view thing they kind of just left that untouched i think a lot of people clearly brandon included was that it's going to be part of it's going to be on max it's going to be part of the new rebranded hbo max and that's how it's going to stream i think that one is a big win for fans two will be a test to see how it draws and if it's going to be worth it for all parties here because aw still does good pay-per-view numbers they're, they're still usually at, at 100,000 when it's all totaled up and everything like they still draw very good pay-per-view numbers and I think the fact that it's only four or five now five a year certainly helps them but if they get a good deal from Warner Brothers of like hey we'll pay you this much to just here's your fee let's stream all of your shows on this platform obviously it's a good win for the fans because we're only paying $10 or whatever it'll be for HBO Max instead of $50 uh, for five shows a year it's a big win for the fans you're basically getting all the aw pay-per-views for the price of one for for the total of a year but i think that if that is the route they go with all in streaming on max i think that's going to be kind of a big test run and i don't know if they'll be able to do all out the week later off of that but i think coming into 2024 that's when we could see the change of hey all these events are now on max assuming one the streaming all holds up and everything we'll have to uh contact chris mueller and be like the max app sucks why is our streaming not good on that we can't watch the pay-per-view chris on max um assuming that goes well and assuming the viewership numbers for it are good as well and once they announce it do they see like an increase in subscribers or you know come come august did they see an increase in subscribers the the viewership will obviously be part of that as well I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of uh, taking what Brandon said about how 
you know, WWE being on Peacock with, uh, you know, 21 million or so subscribers has helped them with their live attendance. And there's some type of correlation that hasn't been really kind of, you know, examined to, to that level as of yet. It's can AEW kind of copy that or duplicate that in a way by putting their pay-per-view on max because in in my eyes i think after the merger i think wwe is going to be more reverting back to more of a pay-per-view format and you know if we had more time with brandon i would have loved to x that as well as about wwe's future as far as you know possibly making you know their their big four pay-per-views a paid subscription type of thing like how you a ufc on espn plus where you have the subscription and then you have to play a little bit more for their pay-per-view I can legitimately see with this whole merger, WWE moving back to that. And AEW is kind of proof that that format can work, that it, they've been doing, you know, great numbers on pay-per-view, especially, you know, when they got CM Punk and they had those peaks of every single five back-to-back pay-per-views being like the record for that, for that, you know, pay-per-view that they've done. And, you know, they've done great over the last couple of months, even without CM Punk. So it's, it kind of shows you that WWE can move back to that, especially when it comes to something like, you know, your WrestleManias, your Roar Rumbles, your SummerSlam. People are, even though, you know, they've been getting it for 5 to $10 a month for the last couple of years now, I don't think that that's going to stop them from paying a little bit more to see these uh, premium live events, especially with the fact that, you know, WWE is on this hot streak and has this kind of, you know, new buzz about them with Triple H in charge of creative i could see them reverting back to that as far as like with aew i can see it more like like you said i think that all in on max is a test run and if that goes well i can see them more going to maybe like okay 2024 we're gonna do you know revolution and double or nothing and all out and full gear all of those will be pay-per-views but maybe forbidden door all in and maybe they take one of their special TV shows and make that an, uh, just a separate standalone max exclusive. I can see them kind of, uh, you know, it, expanding their pay-per-view format where maybe we have these specials on max where we pay a little bit less and it gets more people to buy the pay-per-view that's coming up just soon after. Maybe you put battle of the brands on, on or battle of the belts, sorry, uh, battle of the belts on on Good max idea. because those shows i mean they're after rampage they're live which has been helpful but those shows are such throwaway shows at this point just nothing matches on i them. can't believe how much of a letdown that has been like they they build it as that was going to be their version of clash of the champions and it hasn't even felt like nothing more than a special edition of rampage yeah that's that's all it's been i mean i i post the stat every time because it it changes and i don't know if it changed for the better but champions are like 17 and one on that show and you don't even go into those shows with like you look at those matchups and it's like well yeah no offense to billy starks love billy starks she ain't beating jade cargill like these matchups that they provide it's like there's there's no incentive to watch them because you kind of know who's gonna win going going into them like there's not a lot of drama in these matches on top of like they just haven't been built all that well it's very just hey let's announce what, what we have for battle of the belts the wednesday before dynamite and not have any type of actual build or the wednesday 
before the show on Dynamite uh, and not have any type of uh, belt, uh, any type of belt. The one title change was Sammy against Scorpio. That was the title change. And then technically, technically, uh, Sammy beat Dustin to win the interim, the interim TNT yeah. title. Those are the only two title changes on, on Battle of the Belts. And I don't remember if Sammy and Scorpio was the first Battle of the Belts or not. I'm, I'm just, those are the ones that, that happened. Um, to your point about WWE and potentially going back to, to a pay-per-view model, I think the difficulty with that is once you give somebody, and it's been a while since 2014, since we've had the network and we've had $10 pay-per-views, essentially, once you give somebody that, it is very tough to say, hey, I know you've been paying $10 a month for the pay-per-views and you've gotten all this extra content on top of it, including the archive and including NXT specials and things like that. Now we want you to pay, let's say $40 a month, $50 a month for for the for these pay-per-views again. Some of them also just aren't worth it. I know WWE is hot, but you're talking monthly with this stuff. Maybe, yeah. maybe you pull it off with, as you said, Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, um and rumble. rumble and maybe money in the bank money in the bank has become like yeah, their fifth the big five year. maybe you pull it off even that. I, i'd say money in the otherwise, bank than survivor series now yeah yeah otherwise i don't i don't know i don't i'm not sure if you can ask fans like look the backlash card we'll get into it here in a second uh the backlash card is like good but i gotta be honest if i'm just a regular consumer it's not good enough to where i'm like yeah fifty dollars on this card i'll pay i'll pay for that but i'm also very uh in the bubble on stuff and, and not as emotionally attached to wrestling as i i would be as a, a normal kind of fan and consumer so i understand i'm i'm probably i'm not the wrestling fan market that they are looking for to buy these pay-per-views i'm the person who is probably gonna buy it anyway because i gotta write about it the entire time <laughs> Yeah, it, with the with the backlash card, I I do I do agree with you. It's a good card, but definitely not the one I would put a fifty dollar uh, price tag on because it just feels overall inconsequential. But I can yeah. see them kind of maybe like one year saying, okay, WrestleMania is going to be just the one, just the one pay per view we want you to pay more from, and that kind of be like how we're saying the all in on potentially being on Max is kind of a test run they can do that as the test run next year's wrestlemania where you have your five dollar subscription to peacock but we want you to pay we'll, we'll just say like 25 30 30 dollars more i think they will see that people will probably be willing to do that for wrestlemania because that's the biggest show of the year throughout wrestling so you know the two night wrestlemania you get Fifty dollars from the twenty five twenty five, and they and they still will tout that as like the most watched WrestleMania. They'll be like, okay, we will hear the announcement by the end of the year. Next year is Royal Rumble, it's SummerSlam, it's it's Survivor Series, it's Money in the Bank, and WrestleMania all are gonna be with the pay per view format. But I do agree with you; they can. I don't think they can ever go back to monthly pay per views for you know fifty dollars or so a month. That's not gonna be possible because. People People have become so spoiled over 10 years of $10, $5 pay-per-views. There's no possible way they can go back to that. Yeah, I I don't see it. I, I don't see it like working out well for them if, if they try that. But we'll see. You know, if you're going to only charge like 20 bucks a month 
for for these like okay you pay your ten dollar subscription and then you pay 20 bucks a month for these pay-per-views i could i think that might do okay for them okay an extra twenty dollars sure but if you're asking 40 if you're asking 50 for 12 shows a year that's a big big difference there uh let's get into let's get into the backlash card and i might have actually undersold it especially in the eyes of the casual fan because one cody and brock i think to a lot of fans to a lot of casual uh you know viewers i think they they they're really into this matchup they they love this matchup um and then i think the biggest thing is is bad bunny this guy is an absolute like megastar in the entertainment world and i think there's a lot of interest of just you know regular people like wait a second bad bunny's gonna be wrestling like, yeah in sure a singles I'll, match first yeah. singles match a street fight like hold on yeah sure i'll i'll shell out some money for for this show so i do think like i've probably undersold just like casual interest and curiosity of this match compared to my own interest and curiosity um oh, wait, what do you think oh let me ask you this to, to start with do you think bad bunny and damian priest should main event this show i will go as far to say 100% they should 100% they should because you are literally going to handicap whoever has to follow them because that's going to be the match that has the most investment. I, I, I said that WWE was missing out on the, on the grand marketing, the same company that gave us the greatest wrestling match ever. I think they missed out on a big marketing opportunity of calling this Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest, San Juan Street Fight. The battle for Puerto Rico. As you have your biggest male Puerto Rican star versus the biggest star from Puerto Rico in the world, Bad Bunny. This should be like, it, they should have marketed this even bigger than how they already have. And I think that it's gotten a kind of a main event level push, especially two weeks ago when they closed Raw with Damian Priest versus Rey Mysterio and Bad Bunny with the big time kind of, uh, he, was just, he just came out like a badass. He just came out like a badass holding his stick with the cowboy hat and then just started wailing on, on Damian Priest. And they have really made him kind of into, a you know one of their major part-time stars and this is his first match his first like regular matchup since wrestlemania 37 where he had arguably one of the greatest celebrity matches in wwe history and then you're making you made him the face of all the promotion for this show because he was supposed to be the host and now he's in a matchup i think that it's a no-brainer this should be the main event like the only thing that comes close to it is Cody and Brock. And yeah. that, that's I think two. that should open the show. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the, the six man tag with Owens, Sammy riddle against the bloodline, but only if you're doing a bloodline story off of that, because I don't think you just close with that. Like even if Sammy and, and Kevin and riddle are winning and it's like, Oh, cool, cool moment. Uh, for for the baby faces but yeah I, there's interest in that i don't it's not as hot as it is as it was you know going into like rumble and wrestlemania with obviously and roman not involved and everything but if you're gonna close with like oh solo lays out the usos they like closing with their little shocking moments like that okay fine i can kind of understand it otherwise look bad bunny is gonna get the biggest reactions i assume he's gonna win is I mean, you know, bad bunny you know what is such a professional wrestler 
he might be like, I ain't the full-time guy here. I'm not showing up every week here. Beat me. He he obviously has respect for Priest. He seems to like Priest. They've been friends uh, for a while. Bad Bunny worked. How would people remember this? Bad Bunny worked during the pandemic era. All right? You couldn't yeah. get full-time people showing up during the pandemic era. You think Dwayne was coming back during the pandemic era? This man wasn't coming back for a 100,000 people stadium. He definitely wasn't coming back for nobody. Right? Punk w- waited until pandemic stuff was done before he joined AEW. Bad Bunny, biggest streaming artist in the world, was like, pandemic, no fans? I don't even get to like feed off of this reaction and get the, that crowd rejoice. Don't care. I'm such a wrestling fan. I got such a superstar mindset. I'm coming in during the pandemic era and working television shows for you guys, working the Royal Rumble, taking these bumps at the Royal Rumble for you guys. I'm cool with all of that. That's a true, true wrestler right there in Bad Bunny. So as much as it may seem like, oh, Bad Bunny is definitely going to win this thing, it's also possible that he's like, you know what? I don't, what's this win going to do for me? Like, I ain't here full time. Cool moment and everything, but Damian Priest is going to be here the whole time. He can go on television every week. I beat Bad Bunny. I beat Bad Bunny. I'll lose this match. And if Bad Bunny's going to lose this match, then maybe you don't open the show or close the show with it. Because then it's like, but I think Priest will still probably get like a halfway decent reaction. It's still a homecoming for him. I think with Bad Bunny, if Bad Bunny's like, oh, I don't need to win this. I think Damian Priest is so much of a worker. He'll be like, no, you're winning this. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 you you, you don't understand how big of a pop that's going to be. That's the only way we're going to get the main event spot is if you're going over. Like, yeah, get me my first main event of a premium live event. I think they're going to have all the bells and whistles, you know, weapons. You'll have the Judgment Day get involved. You'll have the end the LWO get involved. There'll be some, you know, big spots. There'll be this whole smoke and mirrors that is going to make this kind of feel worthy of being in the main event. And it's the fact that, you know, the Fightful Select report that came out of WWE reverting their plans. The plan was supposed to be Bad Bunny and Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest with Bad Bunny going over on Dominic Mysterio. That I, I thought that was the right decision, but they have so much faith in Benito, in San Benito, uh, that they want him to have this singles match. And that's why I said, I feel like they missed out on a bar. If you're going to make this a singles match between two Puerto Rican stars, you need to, you should have labeled it the battle for Puerto Rico and just put it all over the place. The same way they pushed the greatest wrestling match ever, they should have pushed this as the battle for Puerto Rico. And then it's a no brainer for to everyone even the people that are supporters or want to see cody and brock get the spot i don't think cody and brock need the spot i don't think this is going to be the last time we get cody and brock i think that this is the first match of a series whether it's a two-match series or three-match series i think it's the first of two or three for Brock and Cody. This is the one and only time that it just seems right to do uh, Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest. So that's why I think it needs to be in the main event. Bro, Bad Bunny's going to go to London and get that money in the bank. All right. He's going to carry that money in the bank to all the award shows and everything. Be like, why do you carry this briefcase around? He's like, you never know when Roman Reigns is going to show up to one of these shows too. I'm going to cash this shit in on him. Like, I'm, I'm like, ready. He was like, he might be on Saturday Night Live, and I might be yeah. the, spe- the special musical host, and I'll just attack him from behind, hit him with the briefcase, cash it in. 
Rogue Imagine the bunny, the bunny destroyer off a ladder. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, he's uh, man, that bunny rules. I can't say enough good things about this guy. It's so great listening to uh, interviews this week and hearing all these wrestlers like put him over and stuff too. I, I said it on Spotlight, but like this dude's the biggest musical artist in the world. And he's like, yeah, let me just take this table bump on on, on wrestling. Like, cool. No, no issues. No issues. I, you know, I compared it to like Jay-Z in like the early 2000s or something or 90s. Like if he came into wrestling, he's just like, yeah, sure. Let me take a stunner from Austin. It is similar. I mean, Tyson didn't wrestle, but, you know, Tyson coming in was big business for yes. uh, big business for, for WWE. It's, it's sort of akin to that of just how big Bad Bunny actually is. And this man is getting in there and just, he could, he could have easily just done like, yeah, let's do this tag team match. Me and Ray against Dominic and Priest. Protect them. You can hide them in a tag team match. Nope. Do a street fight. Do a street fight. Do a singles match against Damian Priest. Got got nothing but love for Bad Bunny. Makes banger music as well. Shows how big of a fan he really, he really is of the business. How much respect he has because I think the the other one that's similar to, to Bad Bunny and just how big he is in the music industry and around the world is Dennis Rodman coming into WCW. Yeah. And Dennis Rodman came back-to-back years when the Bulls are in the championship. He skips out on practice to go to WCW uh, Nitro and he had two big-time tag team matches that drew big bot pay-per-view buy rates for wcw at the time and uh you know bad bunny i i wouldn't say that he's gonna have that effect on it but he should because he people don't realize people didn't realize that first time when he came in and you know had the match at wrestlemania 37 how big globally bad bunny is but when they saw the reaction that he got at wrestlemania 37 and especially when they see the reaction he gets on saturday night i think that more wrestling fans will realize that even though I feel like those wrestling fans are just going to stay inside their bubble because if you don't know by now how big Bad Bunny is then hey you're going to get a, a stark reminder this Saturday I the Rodman thing's a good shout by the way because I don't think WCW honestly got enough credit for the fact that a month after the NBA finals they've got Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone on their programming <laughs> Like these two men just winning at each other in the finals. And here they are now in a wrestling match. Like, I don't think they get enough credit for that. Imagine like nowadays if, you know, it's it's Draymond Green, because Rodman and Green are going to draw comparisons for a number yes. of reasons. Uh, if you, you're getting Draymond Green against, let's say, Giannis in a wrestling mm-hmm. ring a month after the Warriors play the Bucks. I know the Bucks aren't the best example right now, but a month after the Warriors play the Bucks in the finals. Like, you know, Carl Malone, all his faults, and there are a lot of them as a, as a human being, as a basketball player, still the greatest scorer of all time. One of, uh, I should say. LeBron James is the greatest scorer of all time, yes. historically. Um, top three. Draymond, top three all time. Yeah. Like, if it's Draymond and LeBron a month after the finals, you know, when it was the Warriors and the Cavs type of thing, like, it would be astounding if WWE pulled that off like wcw did that with rodman and malone and i mean i hogan pulled some strings obviously rodman was just clearly a wrestling fan malone clearly a wrestling fan but the fact that like they were willing to do that the fact that wcw pulled that off they don't get enough credit 
for that because that was no. two big time gets at that time. And same thing with WWE right now when they getting Bad Bunny at this point, like you know, big time credit for him coming in WWE getting all that together and then trusting him in the spot. And it, it was one thing with like WWE because at you know at that time that like Mike Tyson coming in kind of. Uh, stop the war. It was kind of like the a real turning point. I don't think it gets enough credit because you always hear about, you know, the different turning points, whether it be Tony Schiavone telling uh, people, oh, they'll put butts in the seats for Mick Foley and, and stuff like that, or the Austin McMahon rivalry in general, I think gets a lot of the credit. But Mike Tyson showing up on WWF television really turned things in the war. And then months later, where WCW is now losing in the ratings, like the the war has kind of turned on his head and WWF has all the momentum. They had Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone in a ring at a big time event, Bash at the Beach in July. And they, at that time, with WWF kind of taking advantage and winning in the war, they are the number two promotion. The number two promotion got two of the biggest basketball players in the world on their television screens. But WWE is the unquestionable number one right now. And having Bad Bunny just further cements that that these big time stars are only going to come to WWE right now because they are the, the worldwide leader when it comes to anything sports entertainment wrestling related. Mentioned Cody and Brock. Obviously, that's on this card as well. You think it's the first of a series between them. So what are you thinking as far as a finish when it comes to this match? I would not be surprised if Cody Rhodes comes out here and wins this one, like barely in a similar fashion. I feel like a lot of people have been drawing this comparison, and I draw the comparison too. In a lot of ways, the Cody losing at WrestleMania and then immediately versing Brock Lesnar afterwards is in a lot of a lot of ways like the John Cena losing to The Rock at WrestleMania 28 and then immediately uh, facing a returning Brock Lesnar. And WWE made a mistake by having Brock lose that matchup at Extreme Rules 2012. But there was no question that Extreme Rules 2012 match was an all-timer. One of my favorite Brock Lesnar matches of all time. Because he just went out there and just completely ragdolled John Cena for a good 18-20 minutes before Cena pulled out the miraculous win. So I can see in a lot of ways John uh, John Cena's heir apparent has never been Roman Reigns. It's really the white meat all-American babyface. That is Cody Rhodes to a T. And I can see him kind of pulling it out in the end. And I, that's why I'm surprised that WWE haven't added any type of stipulation. And maybe they won't want to do that because now they have the San Juan Street Fight stipulation on Priest and Bunny. So they just made this a straight-up matchup. That all withstanding, that's why I think Brock Lesnar needs to win this first matchup. You need you need to to the build like Cody said in in interviews recently. He was like, I I have a few more mountains I need to climb before I get back to Roman Reigns, and we still have a few months before you know SummerSlam. I know there's some people that think Cody's gonna get back to Roman at SummerSlam. I think with the introduction of a World Heavyweight Championship. I think they're going to really try for this WrestleMania 40, unfortunately. But if you're going to do that, you need you need this climb of Brock Lesnar to be a little bit of the key word we've been hearing about Cody since WrestleMania, adversity. You need him to lose at the first stop. And then I think that he'll probably get his win back in Saudi Arabia because Brock Lesnar ain't missing out on a Saudi paycheck. 
See, I don't think Brock is missing out on the Saudi paycheck as well. And that's also why I think he wins this match. But I don't think he's going to go on and face Cody in Saudi. I think Brock's going to be part of that first world heavyweight title match. And I think I think Brock wins this match. And then it's just said, we don't know how they're crowning the new world champion. It's supposed to be a tournament that concludes at Night of Champions. I, I think that's what Triple H said. But look, you want to truncate this tournament a little bit? One side of the bracket is full. It's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar goes immediately to the finals because he beat Cody Rhodes. And he's there, Saudi, waiting for that vacant world heavyweight title. And then whoever comes out of the other side, that's who he faces. And I think there's an argument to be made for Seth Rollins. He's facing Omos for some reason uh, tomorrow night. And there's an argument to be made for him. You do Seth and Brock in Saudi. They've always had good matches together. The Mania match was very good. The SummerSlam match was very good. They, they do good business together. And I could see that being the headlining bout for, for the Saudi show. Because Roman, I assume, is going to work the Saudi show as well just because it's Roman, it's Saudi, the, again, the payday and everything. They haven't really set up much for him to do when it comes to Saudi. I don't know who he's facing. There's rumors that he might uh, work Omos. I think I don't know if that's a rumor that just started because like Twitter fandom or if that's like an actual thing. Uh, but that's what people are throwing out there. You know, the last time he was in Saudi, he just faced Logan Paul because sure, you know, like uh, get Bad Bunny in there. Get, get I was about to say, do you do Bad Bunny? Oh, Bad Bunny's headlining backlash, and he wins the main event of backlash. <laughs> Is he the challenger for Roman in Saudi? But I'd I'd be interested because when you really when you watched this week's Monday Night Raw. You would have had no clue if it wasn't for the graphic that Seth Rollins is versus Omos. They did more work to build up a potential Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns match than they did to build to Seth Rollins for Omos. And it makes me believe that, okay, they're, they were very, uh, you know, throughout building, it seemed building to Rollins and Reigns. They very much established that they're going to be separate now. Rollins is going after the World Heavyweight Championship on Raw. Roman's on SmackDown. So this makes the the outcome of Omos and Seth a little bit interesting where I can see Omos beating Seth to set him up to face Roman in Saudi. Or as I like to call it, I'm not even calling it Night of Champions. I'm calling it Roman Day 1000 because that's the 1000th day. That's probably what Paul Heyman will refer to it as on television here coming up. Um, no, Romeo, Paul Romeo from, from True Hill Heat. They're building this belt as the workers' belt that will uh, be there week in, week out. So, no way Brock can win it, not now for at least. And then Seth beating Brock in this spot. I don't know. Look, Brock doesn't have to win the belt, but no. it feels like he should probably be in that first match. I understand they're trying to build it as the workers' belt, but Paul Heyman is on TV. Like, Roman can just, what if he just goes after and wins this belt? You know, it, Brock Lesnar being in the match makes it feel like a little bit of a bigger deal. And then you'll, you will get the reaction of it's supposed to be there week in, week out. You can't put it on Brock. You can't put it on Brock. But that's probably a reaction they're going for in, in that sense of like, ah, they think we'll put it on Brock, but we won't. We'll put it on Seth and it will be there week in and out. But let's get them all riled up over everything. And then we'll give them their moment until you know they don't give us the moment because WWE, you know. Sometimes they like to take these moments away from us. Uh, I think that I do think that Brock will will kind of be 
in that first match, though. I don't know how you maybe you do a triple threat in Saudi. I think he'll be in that first match. I think Seth makes a lot of sense as an opponent. But then, yeah, Seth has got to beat Omos. And if you're going to set up Roman in Omos, then Seth beating him doesn't make a ton of sense. But I don't think anything they've done with Omos has made a ton of sense because it's all right, lose the Braun, lose the Brock. He loses every single match he's in. Random match against Seth. It honestly, it would make sense if he just lost to Seth and then MVP is like, we want to face Brock or we want to face Roman. Roman's like, yeah, sure. And we <laughs> negotiated like everybody deal. anyway. Yeah. We negotiated things. This is a big marquee matchup. Look at the marquee. Look at the poster for this. Who cares if it makes sense? Makes for a great poster. <laughs> oh, man. Go. That would be so funny to me. That would just be so funny and just tell you that WWE is just running out of ideas when it comes to Roman Reigns. I can I can also see with you know what you said about this the six man tag is interesting that that could headline the show because they're gonna do like the big bloodline angle because I think we've been all waiting for Solo to thumb one of his brothers. Yes, he's going to thumb a brother. Um, but yeah, if he's going to do that, you can see it kind of the main feud on SmackDown now going to be the Usos versus Solo and Roman. And if they wanted to segue that into a championship bout, a lot of people been wanting and asking for Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns kind of ever since this bloodline, the, the big angle at the Royal Rumble when Jay walked away and we had this whole dissension within the bloodline. They can do something like that. Or they can do a new match they've never done, which is Jimmy, Jay, and Roman in a triple threat for the Undisputed Universal Championship. There's so many different things. One thing I did want to mention, because I haven't said this on any wrestling show. I've been on Believe on Tuesday. I did my own uh, review on Patreon, and I, I didn't say it until you just reminded me here. This solves the, the whole debate that happened when the World Heavyweight Championship was introduced. Paul Heyman literally said on air, it's a third world title. I just wanted to make that clear because so many people were like, no, you know, um, Roman has never defended it separately. So it's one thing. I was like, he's walking around with two titles. There has never been an undisputed champion that has held two titles this long. They always consolidate it into one if it's supposed to be one. Obviously, they have held, made him held two titles because there's a point to this and that eventually they wanted to split the titles, but then figured out that, oh, damn we're stuck let's just throw a third one in there so yes the world heavyweight championship is a third world title the, the debate is done because paul Heyman said it on air it's now canon paul Heyman, of course the, the wise man never told a lie that was never told tell. a lie yeah he tells he tells prediction he tells spoilers not predictions the wife is popping me she's messaging it'd be a great bit if like cody keeps winning matches and Roman's just like, let me face all these losers instead. Like Cody beats Brock at Backlash, and Roman's just and Seth beats Omos, and Roman decides, let me face Omos at Night of Champions. Cody just keeps winning a bunch of matches. Roman's just like, you hold on a second, give me Tazawa, bring out Tazawa. Let me face this guy. This guy's put in the work over here. Just a you, great you bit. Oh, man, you know, if you really want to build up this whole free agent thing, he says, <laughs> you can have your Brock Lesnar's, you can have your Cody Rhodes, you can have your Seth Rollins, you can have your Omos's. Give me Von Wagner. 
Von <laughs> Wagner versus Roman Reigns. You want the big high profile match at Night of Champions? Jan, I mean Von Wagner versus Roman Reigns. What is Dolph Ziggler get get his title shot? That's got to be coming, right? He's a free agent as well. Dolph, free agent Dolph, just showing up to all the brands. Dolph's got to get this title shot pretty soon. Should have been him. He wants one more match. One more match. Should have been me. He can me. do it this time. He can definitely do it this time. Positively, Ali gonna gonna show up there and be like, "We need some positivity in the WWE with positive Ali. Give me that Zion, championship." Zion Quinn wants to battle him for the real Samoan crown. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I just love Roman. <laughs> This is like a Roman on TV every week. Like, Roman, just show up and do like a three-minute match, dude. Just pad like the defenses at that point. Because that's what people want to want to be mad about now. It's like, oh, he's held the title for how many times has he actually defended the title? By the way, we'll get into New Japan here in a second. Some of these people that just lost their belts, they've had them for like four months and defended it like once when they've had these titles. Exactly. I was like, for years, for years, New Japan were doing like championship matches like every two to three months. Like Okada held the title, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for 720 days. How many times did he defend it? 12 times. He held it for two years. So he basically had a title defense like every two months. Yeah. They, they, they need to pad Roman title defenses now. Just show up. Like, who can we just beat in, like, 30 seconds? Just a Superman punch, get him out of there, pin him, do the old foot-on-the-chest gimmick there. Doesn't even gotta, doesn't even gotta leave his feet except for the Superman punch. Doesn't even gotta do the spear. Doesn't have to take a bump or nothing. Doesn't have to lay down, get down on his feet, hands, whatever it needs to be. Superman punch, foot-on-the-chest, walk out. Doesn't gotta get his vest on that he has to wear. None of that stuff can just stay in his normal gear that he's in, which is largely his, his track pants. He loves wearing the track pants. Stay in that. That's it. That's all you got to do. And then then by the end of it, gets a thousand days and he's got like 500 title defenses on his, on his uh, resume as well. Then what are the dorks going to complain about? He's got the title defenses. He's got marquee title defenses. He's got the squash matches that you just need. Sometimes, you know, if you're a champion, you need those tune-up fights. And things like that. You do that all the time in UFC. Got these champions like why is why is Chuck Liddell facing Jeremy Horn? What does Jeremy <laughs> Horn have to do with anything? Well, it's like what well, has Jeremy, Jeremy Horn, Horn done. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeremy Horn beat him a few years ago. So Chuck is like, yeah, I just want to beat the shit out of Jeremy Horn and get that win back. That's what that's what Roman needs to do. Corbin, Corbin's got the last win over me. No, yeah. get this get this dude in here so I can Superman punch him right fast. Get that win, Shane. Shane McMahon? He's got no. Bring him and his one ACL out here so I could just he bring him in a wheelchair. Yeah, bring him in the wheelchair. Bring him out on the stretcher, and I'll just pin him right there. He ain't got a bumper. No- just sit down, Shane. I ain't got just a punch. Superman you. punch. One, yeah. two, three. Just lay out here. Just rack up. Just rack up these victories. Get all these old win backs. Like, no one's holding these victories over Roman Reigns. This is the booking I'm here for. Bring this out is- all these people. Now, with all this joking, you know who he's going to verse at Night of Champions now. You know who he's going to verse at Night of Champions now, right, Jeremy? Be Shane. No, be Shane. your favorite person, Edge. I don't have – That's why Edge – 
that's why Edge won at WrestleMania because they're they were trying to heat him up before he makes his miraculous comeback and he versed Roman at day 1000 because he got screwed out of his last title shot against Roman back at Money in the Bank 2021 by Seth Rollins. I don't remember that match. That was, that I remember was... it. John Cena People don't remember it. Here. Yeah, because John Cena came out yeah, after. Way more important than Edge. Did, did Seth Rollins ran in on that match? Yeah. He inter oh. he interfered to set up the Seth and uh, Edge feud. I'll take your word for it. I have no recollection. I do remember like the match now that they wrestled. Now that you said, uh, yeah, I remember the Mania match where I know he beat um, Brian and Edge double stack on that yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I, I and I knew they wrestled at Money in the Bank. I had no recollection of what the actual finish was on that though. No, we don't need Edge. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the Toronto Maple Leafs are still in the playoffs by the time they, you know, Saudi rolls around and Edge is like, you know what, guys, can't make this trip over here to Saudi. Gotta watch because if they're still in the playoffs, that'd be like the finals or something around that time. It's like I gotta, I got, I gotta stay here and watch the Leafs. I'm going to the finals. I can't make this trip to Saudi. So hopefully Edge pulls a hockey rank on them and is like, nope, can't make that trip. Can't do it. But, you know, the Leafs got to win a second round game first because they're down 0-2 right now. And now they got to go to uh, to Florida. They lost both games at home. So ain't looking too great for the Maple Leafs. But if there's one thing I've learned in my years of hockey fandom, it's to never doubt the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm sure they will eventually come back and do this. Um, all right, anything else from Backlash that stands out to you that you want to touch on? I think Bianca and EO will be probably be a show stealer. I think there's no shot of EO winning. Unfortunately, I would love to see EO win, but I don't think they built her up well enough. So I think that's going to be a show stealer, especially if it gets enough time. And I think that we might actually get some development. I think we might get more development from the eventual splitting up of damage control more than likely that we get a, a further development of the bloodline storyline, which I feel has been on a standstill ever since WrestleMania. It's literally has not progressed at all. They've done little, you know, seed sowing for progression, but they have not delivered any progression since WrestleMania, but damage control they have. And I think that we're going to get the kind of the, a big moment either after the matchup during the matchup with EO, as far as her uh, affiliation with damage control, but I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Really looking forward to Zelina Vega having a moment, you know, in front of the Puerto Rican crowd in front of her family, friends, my New York sister from Queens, uh, Zelina Vega, someone that I've been had the privilege of interviewing before. Very happy for her, despite the fact that WWE did absolutely jack and shit to build her up for this. Besides her, basically her whole argument for getting this shot was, I'm short in Puerto Rican. Give me a shot. And that's how she got the shot. And then she won a match, a four-minute match, where she got dominated for three minutes and won with a roll-up. So they have not done anything to build her up. But I think that it's going to be a good matchup. She's going to get her moment despite her losing. And yes, overall, I think that Bad Bunny will be the only Puerto Rican in Puerto Rico who gets a win. Well, there's only the two others on the car. I mean, Priest and Bad Bunny got a good good shot. One of them's going to get the win. Yeah, Zelina's <laughs> not winning. She's not beating Rhea. Sorry. It'd be a cool moment. But like they like beating people in their hometowns or beating people when 
you know, they should get these moments. Zelina ain't, ain't even close to the story they built to with Drew and, and Sammy. Uh, so I don't think anybody expects her to win. They at least made you believe a little bit with Drew and Sammy. Rhea's reign ain't, ain't ending uh, a month after WrestleMania. I feel like she's going to hold that title for, for a while there. I'm looking forward to Bianca and EO. More, one, the match will be great. I have, I have full faith in both performers of the match. This, the, the story they've told is more just on the damage control side than the Bianca side, because I feel like I've seen Bianca face damage control for about half of her title reign so far. I hope the damage control stuff goes somewhere because they planted some seeds. It's been a very disappointing run compared to what I was hoping for when it started. It's like, let's flip-flop the tag, the women's tag titles. Let's have them lose the first one for no reason to Aaliyah and Raquel, which was completely unnecessary just to win them back. Bailey couldn't beat Bianca despite 500 tries and interference from damage control. And remember, uh, they lost to Asuka and Alexa Bliss, the tag titles, before yeah. winning it back like six days later. Just weird, weird booking when it when it's come to them. And yeah, I hope there is some progression because we've seen the seeds with uh, they're getting a little frustrated with Bailey. So we'll see if they they finally uh, pull, you know, pull what they want to pull off there, pull the trigger on on the booking there same thing with the the bloodline i don't know if we're gonna get the the turn here they might actually save that for for smackdown and roman being in the building for smackdown because i do think roman i think he'll be on smackdown next week which you know is actually news that like hey the world champion's gonna show up to the show that he was drafted on this is actually a big deal um i think he i think he'll be on smackdown next week rest of the card is fine you know these these pay-per-views they typically have good matches and they're typically good, easy watches. And I don't uh, to suspect things will be too much different in there. I'm not expecting super huge news to, to come out of, to come out of this though. I'm looking forward to bad bunny. Definitely looking forward to bad bunny. Same. That's going to be a lot of fun. New Japan. We did have some, uh, some kind of maybe surprising happenings at new Japan. It's really started um, earlier this year when Sonata won the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I think that was a bit of a surprise. And then since then, they've just switched all the titles. And New Japan likes to do a lot of title switches. This is not like completely out of the realm for them. Having you know Sonata defeat Okada, that was a big surprise because Sonata could never defeat Okada. So that one was pretty big. But then here uh, this past week at Wrestling Dentaku, we had David Finley win the never openweight title from Tamatanga. We had Hikaleu win the strong openweight title from Kenta. And then we had Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi win the six-man titles from Strong Style, Desperado, uh, Suzuki, and Ren Narita. We know Moxley's going to return at Dominion as well. We got Yoda Suji coming back and going That's after the biggest Sonata. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Yoda Suji's back. He's coming after Sonata. That's going to be a match at Dominion. We got the strong women's championship. That's gonna be um that's gonna be the crown that resurgence. That's headlining the show, by the yeah. way. New Japan resurgence, like the finals of that is headlining the show. It feels like it's a little bit of a reset of sorts for for New Japan with these these title changes that they've done. What are your overall thoughts on it, uh, SP3? It really feels like because they, you know, this was New Japan this year was kind of like getting out, finally getting out of the pandemic because they've kind of been in a lull. I think 
out of everyone who was affected throughout the wrestling world as far as with the pandemic i think new japan was the most affected promotion despite still being the number one promotion in japan they've had you know the clap crowd for so long they were one of the first you know promotions that had fans back in the building but it was only under the clap crowd and pandemic restrictions throughout and it was very a strange time you had the whole thing in 2021 where a lot of their gaijin stars felt like we heard reports of them wanting to leave the company like will osprey jay white juice robinson david finley and all of those guys have had you know major changes throughout the whole thing you know will osprey eventually came back jay white eventually came back but then he leaves earlier this year uh you know has the loser leaves japan match with hikaleo the loser leaves new japan matchup with uh, eddie kingston at battle in the valley they introduced the women's championship at the end of last year kind of kind of bridging the creating a bridge between stardom and new japan finally and having some women's representation uh the strong women's championship is kind of strange because the iwgp women's championship was introduced as like this title that was going to be defended on u.s on u.s uh shows and that's how they were going to be represented there as well as the big new japan shows and now they seem to kind of be reverting from that because they have their own separate championship for the u.s side of things the u.s expansion but everything about new japan just so, feels so fresh and new this year like they started off hot with a great Wrestle Kingdom 17 event, and then they have just gone from high to high to high, whether it's Battle in the Valley with Mercedes Monet's official in-ring debut after her debut in Japan at Wrestle Kingdom, whether it's been, you know, the, the Sonata getting the win over Okada, which, you know, you saw this month-long arc of Sonata, the whole beginning of the year, Sonata was just viewed as, oh, he's gonna be, he's out of it, he's on this losing streak, he's been losing all... He's depressed, and then he has that first-round matchup with Tai Chi, who brings out his fighting spirit. Then he beats the leader of his group, LIJ, Naito, and then he leaves LIJ and joins just five guys, get them a burger deal. Then he comes back in the next matchup. He's got he's got the haircut. He's got new gear. Then he has a new robe when he's in the finals of the New Japan Cup. Then he's got new music when he versus Okada, and then he beats Okada, and it just feels like very fresh and new with new japan just overall and the other thing that's kind of been happening under the surface is the establishment of the new stars you had ren narita come back to japan at the end of last year where he was in the uh, world television tournament gets to the finals comes up short against zach saber jr then they set him on his own storyline with him and suzuki with suzuki kind of taking him under his wing creating a new group strong style with el desperado them winning the never open weight championship and then recently him kind of sparking up a feud with okada and this whole new okada character has just been the greatest thing about new japan for me because ever since kaito kiyomiya kicked him in the face trying to prove himself to okada we've gotten douchebag okada who is like the old man who used to party all the time and was always like oh f all you old guys and now he's mad at the young kids that are doing the same thing that he used to do it's just the, it's, long now they're on his lawn yeah he's like you know he lives next to the frat house now and he used to be running the frat house and now he's like fuck are these guys no stop it knock it off <laughs> trying to sleep I, 
I love it so much. It's just so it's just so awesome to see Okada in this and the fact that, you know, at Wrestling Dantaku, he won a title that wasn't the IWGP heavyweight or world heavyweight championship for the first time in his career. That's the first time that he got a non-top title in New Japan. And I love the dynamic with him and Tadahashi, you know, forming this uh friendship and partnership. Him and Ishii, longtime stablemates of chaos, but Ishii doesn't like Tadahashi, he's like, this dude's old and he's already hurt. He's coming back from a rib injury. We don't need him. He shouldn't be on our team. And they're kind of like the reluctant tag team partners with Okada as the glue and Okada taking the title off of Red Narita. And then the other star they've been building since the beginning of the year, Shoto Amino being immediately the person who comes out and I will say out of all the guys new that they've been establishing, Shoto Amino has had the roughest patch so far because they gave him a big spotlight at Wrestle Kingdom, getting the win with Tadahashi and Muta in the six-man tag. Then he had the big matchup with Naito at New Beginning that was a complete letdown. It went over like a wet fart. It was like too long. It wasn't that very good. And, you know, he had really great matches with Zack Sabre Jr. in the New Japan Cup and for the TV title at Sakura Genesis is and now he's in this role where he's coming up to okada and being like now i'm on your lawn he was like i got that ren narita they're like from rival uh fraternities he's like from the other fraternity that always used to be the rival of okada because he's more of like a bridge off of tanahashi but he also he's been walking around with this coat so it was great to finally say hey you know the guy whose jacket i've been walking around with he's coming back john moxley's coming back and it seems like willie yuda is going to be the third guy because they have that six-man tag at Resurgence where it's going to be Shooter, Moxley, and Yuta versus uh, Rocky Romero, Okada, and Ishii. So I think that is kind of their way to kind of give us the hint that Wheel of Yuta is going to be their third to go after the Never Openweight six-man tag team titles at Dominion. And then the big one, the biggest one, because like I said, Narita, Shoulder. they've been slowly kind of building them up and establishing them as the future stars. Yoda Suji just came out of nowhere. Like they they had these video package of something, something earth shattering is coming. And they're doing all the buildup and you see like a dragon and stuff. And you see like space things and the cops are coming out like, oh man, we got, we're in trouble and stuff. And everybody was saying, okay, maybe it's Yoda Suji. And then we we're like, okay, these video packages have been going on for a while. So are they really going to bring back a young lion in this way? And then they did it and he just comes out and he completely destroys just five guys on his own and takes down Sonata. So I I said when Sonata won the world championship that the New Japan pattern with new world champions is you don't have a long reign. You have two, three months to kind of prove yourself. And it was good that Sonata versus Hiromu had a sold out Fuwoku and they had a great match. I, I love that matchup that they had together at Wrestling Duntaku. But I always said when Sonata won the championship at Sakura Genesis. I was like, Sonata ain't going into Forbidden Door with this title. I think that Sonata's going to drop it at Dominion. I thought that it would be uh, Tensuya Naito, but Yoda Suji coming in the way he did, joining LIJ with that, with him showing his allegiance and carrying out Hiromu and then laying out all of just five guys, holding up that world title and now being announced for the main event. I think they are going to try to do. We had the Okada shock. In 2012, we're getting the Suji shock in 2023. Really? I think Yoda Suji is going to be our next 
IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Really? You think they're going full bore with, with I think they're, This was the most impactful re-debut they had since Switchblade J. White. Switchblade yeah, J. I, White, he came that, in and he went right after Tadahashi and they presented him great. He didn't have the greatest match with Tadahashi, but then they put him into the program with uh, Omega and he won the title off of Omega. But this is even bigger and it feels more impactful than Jay White. So I think that Suji is going to be that guy. I, w- I was going to make the Jay White comparison as well when you're talking about how they like to, to reintroduce everybody. And I remember when they did the Switchblade and, you know, Jay went on his excursion the same way Su- uh, Yoda went on his excursion. He went to Mexico. He went to the UK and everything. And the reintroduction of him was a very big deal uh, at, at Wrestling Dentaku here. And then he's going after the top champion. He's, he's destroying just five guys. He's uh, joining LIJ. I just, I don't know if I can see a world like where he wins the title. Look, I'm for it, by the way. I, I think it's been a long time coming that New Japan needed to like really freshen things up. And you're right. It, it, they got hit harder than anybody during the pandemic. There's no doubt about that. And I think they've done very well to, to start this year to like really reset things. Just it, it feels very weird for Yoda Suji, who has not been in new japan for a, a couple of years now because he's been in like cmll and he's been uh in rev pro and everything it's like oh this is now the champion you mentioned forbidden door that's obviously a, a big pay-per-view i don't know what they're gonna do as far as with the iwgp world heavyweight title you know last year is defending in like the four-way match and everything do they do something like that again do they just do like a japan match on that show a new japan match where he defends against some another new japan talent or does he defend against an AEW talent i don't know how how they're going to do that but it it feels weird like forbidden door as big as that show is here's yoda suji as the champion and maybe i'm not giving yoda suji enough credit i think the biggest thing is like we just we have not seen him in this spot and now you're trusting him to come into a couple of big spots and, and really carry things and maybe it will be just a sink or swim situation of hey we're gonna give him the shot He's either going to carry it, he's going to do well, and he's going to prove, like, this is our next guy. This is our, our next guy that we can go to in these spots. Or it's not going to work out. It's like, okay, well, Kazuchika Okada, everybody. Let's go back to him. <laughs> like, go back to Okada. Yeah. That's, what, that's why I thought, like, logically, I thought Naito was the guy for Dominion. I thought so, too. Yeah, I, th- I thought, so I thought it was a no-brainer that it was going to be Naito, but you just have to go back and watch. If, you, if you're if you saying, oh, who's this guy, or I'd rather Sonata and stuff, you obviously did not see the, the, the re-debut. You need to go back yeah. and watch the re-debut and watch how that Japan crowd reacted to him. They reacted like he was a great Muda coming out of retirement. Like, that's how big that reaction in a sold-out Fuwoku was that it instantly was like, okay, this guy has star written all over him. He's got the physique. He looks like an IWGP World Heavyweight Champion just with the new look, with the long hair, with the physique, the way he laid out everybody. If you really... It's a jacket. jacket. That's a, that's the a star j- jacket right Yo, there. The jacket with the hair coming down with yeah. the hood. Oh, man. It was just like, I was like, I was stunned because I, when I was in the UK, I saw this guy in, in Red Pro and I was like, 
okay, he's coming along, but I don't know. He might need more time here before he comes back. But this was as impactful a re-debut as possible. So if you really want to make it the impactful re-debut that it can be, you immediately strap the rocket to him, in my opinion. Well, I'm not mad at it, by the way. I'm not mad at it at all. And you're right, like the reaction, the way it was presented, his look, everything about it clicked. I you know when these things click sometimes it's best just go for it just go for it see what happens maybe it doesn't work okay maybe it doesn't work it's better to to know that but to go for it and not even give it a shot at all they they went with evil right they went with evil exactly. that definitely that didn't work and at least they reversed course and they're like all right well evil's just at where he's at we ain't even going to try to go back to that again sometimes it can backfire in that sense of it's not going to work but at least then you know. I didn't think evil, by the way, that seemed like a misfire from the start. I think they tried, but I think many people, when they when that happened, it was like, wait, huh? Because Sonata was always the guy of that exactly. group. And instead, they went to evil. Yoda Suji is much different than evil because evil ain't never gotten a reaction like Yoda Suji got on at Wrestling Dentaku. So go for it. See what happens. I'm, I'm not mad at it. I'm really not. We'll see at, at Dominion. Um, anything else from, from New Japan with these new titles? I, I think one of the, the big things is David Finley winning the Never title. Of course, they kind of passed that around a little bit anyway, but he's trying to really reestablish Bullet Club there in Japan. He's got a big first feud with Phantasmo, who I thought was doing really good work in Bullet Club. Now we'll see how that plays out. But also Tomataga losing the belt, and we come to find out Tomataga's uh, kind of free agent here so thoughts on that whole situation yeah i thought the way they they beat uh tom and tonga was the most surprising thing of that i think that everybody going into the show kind of saw the writing on the wall that david finley was gonna beat tom and tonga but i don't think anyone saw him beating him like he was kevin owens and this was Sami Zayn at uh takeover rival back in two, 2016 2015 like it was just a dominating just kept power bombing him and power bombing him and you do the the fake throw the towel in spot with uh with homie on the outside and he just lays him out and then keeps power bombing him and then the trash panda one picks him up off the pinfall trash panda again trash panda again and then finished him the way he did and it was very symbolic i thought i said that on twitter i'll say it here it was very symbolic that on the 10th anniversary of the bully club you had one of the original four members being stretchered out and a new champion being crowned as the new leader of the Bullet Club. That was a very symbolic moment, but I very much expected and was very happy that El Fantasmo came out because this is another guy that I feel can be a future star, especially from the Gaijins, just how over he is with that Japanese crowd. He was pretty much turning babyface before our eyes due to how the Japanese crowd was reacting to him. He got a babyface reaction against Tensuya Naito, who's one of the biggest babyface faces in japan and he's got more cheers against naito than naito got so it was it was coming up and you kind of saw the dissension play out throughout the new japan cup and then it you know came to fruition at sakura genesis so him coming back and attacking finley immediately after i would love for phantasmo to get a run with the never openweight championship but he needs to be more positioned as like an underdog baby face so i don't think he's gonna come through at dominion he's gonna fall 
fall short, but I think he's going to be in the hunt. He might be, you know, maybe a dark horse favorite for uh, this year's G1 in a lot of in a lot of people's eyes. But I think that Phantasmo is a guy that they're going to build and he's going to have his big moment sooner rather than later. As far as Tamatanga goes. I wouldn't be surprised if Tamatanga is on his way out. Just how they, how he lost in the fashion that he did, and he's a guy that you know comes from that wrestling background, being the son of Haku, aka Ming. I think that he would want to like put over a young star that he's seen, you know, start off in the dojo and make his way up, like David Finley. And just the way they told that story, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gonna be on his way out. Maybe, you know, if the hiring freezes up, he goes to WWE. I also wouldn't be surprised if he showed up in some place like Impact Wrestling, which he did a lot of work with last year. And Maybe he's, he created a relationship with Scott Demore there. Wouldn't mind him seeing him over there as they're kind of rebuilding their main event scene. He's a guy that can instantly come in and kind of be in that position with kind of the guys they're building up as baby faces to face Steve Macklin with Nick Aldis, Frankie Kazarian, Alex Shelley. I can see Tomatonga filling in a spot over there as well. So I wouldn't be surprised WWE impact wrestling. I would be surprised if it was AEW because he really hasn't had that much interaction intermingling with, and I wouldn't know instantly where he was, where he could be positioned with impact wrestling. I could with WWE, I could see him interacting with the good brothers, maybe joining the OC over on SmackDown or something like that. But everywhere else is kind of like it's up in the air as far as like AEW or even other promotions out there. So I'm very interested to see what's next for Tamatanga. I also wouldn't be surprised if he just renegotiated his deal with New Japan because he's been there since 2012. 2012, he started off as a young lion there and has been there for a decade. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think he will kind of wait things out when it comes to this WWE hiring freeze, uh, the unofficial hiring freeze of maybe they can't, spend the money now type of thing but down the line hopefully in a couple months we'll see uh that they'll be able to and until then he'll kind of do his own thing maybe he does make appearances and impact maybe a short-term deal with impact is the play we've seen plenty of people make that kind of short-term deal with impact and then okay don't be tired again they just wait they just bide their time a little bit see how the landscape changes because if we've learned anything over the past year things change very quickly in the world of wrestling so sometimes it's not a bad idea to just get you a short-term deal keep your name out there keep your visibility out there make your money and then see how things change in a month or two and then maybe lock yourself into something a little bit more you know as stable as things can be when it comes uh to professional wrestling AEW, i don't know when it comes to tamatanga i don't know how much i don't want to say beef i i don't want to say animosity relationship there is with like the young bucks type of thing because i've heard bad luck Fale interviews where he seems a little like yeah they just kind of went there did their own thing used the name and it's like you know whatever they never asked us to come over there with them or anything like that so i do wonder if there is a little something there to where tamatanga is like yeah you know what i just i just don't want to be there uh but the way the way he got decimated by david finley it does seem they're definitely writing him out for the time being 
and then we'll see, you know, if he decides to come back in, in what capacity he comes back. If he does go to impact, if he just wants to work in the U S and work like strong events, maybe just work strong events, but I think he'll, he'll kind of wait things out until he sees where things are with WWE. And then if things are good with WWE and he's able to, to land there, I think that's where he ultimately lands. Yeah. It wouldn't be surprised either way that you made a good point with uh strong because with his, with his brother, Hikaleo now being, you know, the strong open weight champion, I could see him more on those shows. So wouldn't be surprised if he showed up there and just was exclusive to just work in the U S now. All right. SP three. Thank you for joining me today. But before we get out of here, we do have a couple of things to take care of. First off, our pal Kate says, non-Joel episode. Let's go. You both rule. It'll be another non-Joel episode on Monday because Joel is once again not going to be around because apparently, you know, he, he just doesn't work here anymore. If I could fire him, I would. Apparently, I can't. But, you know, he's just doing other things and it's not showing up here. He'll do the Impact Review Show. He'll show up for a show on Sunday with Kate, but he can't show up to hang out with me for a couple of hours. I don't get it, but that's fine. That's fine, Joel Pearl, probably because I try to fire him all the time. Fire him, <laughs> maybe it's that. Yeah, maybe it's that. So SP3 will be back on Monday. Before we get out of here, though, SP3, we do at the close every show. One thing you're looking forward to on SmackDown or this weekend in general. We got backlash. We got some independent events. One thing you're looking forward to between now and Monday, I should say. I'm actually looking forward to the uh, firm deletion. Uh, if you if you've seen my contact on True True Hill Heat, me and my buddy Jimmy Rackera, we do our AEW Dynamite review, and we have literally said Stokely Hathaway is a top three guy in uh, in in AEW. So seeing him in the Hardy compound in the firm deletion, I think is going to be so entertaining. So that's what I'm looking forward to from uh, from tonight. And tomorrow, like I said before, I think uh, EO and Bianca is going to be a lot of fun. And Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico. Headline. Main event, Bad Bunny. Main event, Bad Bunny. That is what I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. Is bad, they, WWE's got to hold a press conference here in like five minutes. Got to jump off and, and cover that. Um, bad Bunny's going to be on SmackDown tonight. And then Bad Bunny's going to be wrestling Damian Priest in a street fight tomorrow night. So I'm looking forward to Bad, bad Bunny. The fucking goat, Benito, Bad Bunny. I cannot wait for that. Can't wait for Bad Bunny weekend. SP3, thank you for joining me. You'll be back on Monday. But until then, let everybody know where they can find you at. Find me at True Hill SP3, and I'll be going live in like five minutes over on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel for our NJPW Wrestling Duntaku 2023 review. So if you enjoyed me and Jeremy talking about kind of the bigger stuff from Duntaku and you want an in-depth analysis of everything going on, it'll be myself, J News, and Sanal from Sanal's Life and Ace Techers over on Wrestle In, one of the biggest New Japan fans out there. We'll be talking about everything that went down from Don Taku. There you go, guys. Uh, if you're here on Fightful Overbooked watching, we appreciate it. Please subscribe to the channel. We hit 14K yesterday. We much appreciate that. Yeah, 14K. Big yes. number, I guess. You know, not Denise Salcedo numbers, but uh, <laughs> shout out to Denise Salcedo, by the way. The GOAT, Denise Salcedo, hitting 100K. Um, yes. Oh, we appreciate you, you subscribing, checking us out. We got a lot of great shows. We got a lot of great uh, people who contribute. 
to this channel. I appreciate them very much, including SV3, who I do a show with every Tuesday. We do not talk any wrestling on that show. We try not to. We talk basketball. So if you like basketball, come hang out and trashy reality television. Come hang out with uh, SV3 and myself Tuesday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Share Delaware is also there uh, talking to trashy reality television. We should get Cher's opinion on basketball from moving forward. I don't know we how should. much she watches. Uh, so just, come hang out. We with just us. ask her when she comes on. Be like one basketball opinion before we start reality television. That's a good bit. All right, we'll start doing that. We'll start doing that. Okay. I asked her if she, you know, fuck Josh Giddy, and she wouldn't because don't understand why. And he said, "No more, no more basketball yeah. questions for you." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so SP3 is on the channel every week uh, doing FMC with myself and with Cher Delaware. We have coexisting with Rob and Maggie coming up in about three hours. That is 3 p.m. Eastern right here on this channel. They're going to preview Backlash, talk all the news in wrestling. This weekend, we got a new episode of New Japan Bread Club with Matt and Kieran. They're going to be looking at wrestling Dentaku. They're going to be checking out uh, New Japan Dominion and just talking all the news and happenings in the world of New Japan. We do In the Weeds Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern. Again, we'll be back on Monday with a new show. SB3 will be with me. We'll have some guests lined up. Uh, we have Indeed with Mike and Reg. That is Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. They keep doing independent wrestling interviews. They had Puff on this past week. So go check out that interview. Go check out Mike and Reg covering the world of independent professional wrestling. I think I've hit – and Joel does another show with, with Kate who, you know, watch that if you want. Sure. Care. If you want to watch it, go for it. That's what we got going on on Fight Over Book. Thank you, everybody, for subscribing. Thank you for checking out the show. If you're on uh, you're on our podcast platforms, leave us five stars. Leave us thumbs up on videos. That All that goes a long way. That's all that much appreciated. Guys, we'll be back on Monday with a new In the Weeds. Myself, SP3. Everyone have a great weekend. Bye, everybody. <laughs>